We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Have you ever stopped recently to ask people why they got into education? The real why for getting into the profession. The answer you get may surprise you. And even more, the theme that begins to emerge may make you go, hmm, well, that kind of makes sense, especially in today's day and age. Hey, everyone, Dr. Jones here with another episode of Seeing to Lead for You. And this week, I talked to Ross Purdy, who's a dean of students at a school outside of Houston. And to the point of why people get into the profession He makes the observation that more and more educators seem to be getting into the profession because of the experience they had. They're looking to improve on what they themselves experienced. Now, that's a pretty noble calling and a pretty strong draw into our profession. Ross and I have a great conversation about building relationships, constructive criticism, and connecting people. You see, Ross believes and tells us about how It's important to always work to be a positive influence in someone's life, even though that includes setting boundaries and helping people with the skills they need to succeed, which we all know isn't always easy to do. Ross talks to us about how a servant leader's greatest tool is to build relationships by listening to people, asking questions and seeing people so that they understand they are valued no matter the situation. And the idea of constructive criticism, boy, that's always a tough topic. But Ross approaches it in such a way where constructive criticism is a positive if you always try to bring a solution when you're addressing a problem or pointing out an issue. Finally, Ross is excellent at connecting people. That's his superpower. He's passionate about putting people in touch with each other so they can benefit. I'm telling you, this is a great episode. And one of the things that really stands out to me, I'm sure you're going to like as well, is that Ross created a day of service event so that he could build a stronger community for his school by bringing families together for a reason other than just coming to school. You talk about a way to build a sense of belonging and greater purpose. Well, I'd be hard-pressed to find one. Look, if you find as much value as I found in hearing from Ross, please take a moment right now to like, subscribe, and leave an honest five-star rating and review wherever 
you listen to podcasts. I'd really appreciate it. It'll help so many other people find value as well. Well, that's it from me. Let's hear from Ross and get to getting better on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com b to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com be. One thing that I've always struggled with is with my students. If I'm just going to sit there and say, hey, man, follow your dreams, do it, go for it. But I wasn't doing it. Then I felt like I was being a little bit of a hypocrite. And now that I'm a father, I want my son to be confident in who he is and to have that grit, perseverance. But if he wants to, to do something that he's really passionate about, I do it. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got you. I've, I've support you. But if he turned back and said, dad, is there anything that you did? I was like, no. You know, I was scared or nervous or, you know? And so that is a small thing, but I think every year I'm like, okay, what's another big okay, podcast was 2023 launch, but what's say for 2024 that I'm curious about or right. Just to be, yeah, just challenge myself. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Ross Purdy is an innovative business management professional experience in academics, education, admissions, and nonprofit development. He's an energetic, creative visionary and strategic organizational leader possessing a growth-oriented, solution-driven mindset and effective communication, relationship building, project planning, complex problem solving, and change management skills. He is analytical, decisive, and influential in driving profitability and creating working cultures where team members thrive. A highly self-aware functional collaborator, a highly self-aware functional collaborator, an individual contributor, enthusiastic about adding value within a mission-driven organization. Ross is going to be a great guest on today's show because while that sounds a little on the business side, Ross is actually super involved 
in education. He's currently a dean of students at the Fay School in Houston. And that is just where he is now after earlier stops. And on top of that, I had the pleasure, and it truly was the pleasure, Ross, of having a conversation with you on your podcast, Bear Crawl with Dads, which is how we kind of got together. So you're you're all about education and doing it in a way from, I, I guess I'll say soup to nuts, because it's on the side about how to be a dad all the way through education and everywhere else. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jones. It truly is an honor to to pay it backward to you, I guess, for being such an amazing guest on my podcast last week. So thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So while I mentioned all those things, and you know, we go through that bio piece, but there's so much more about you. Talk to us a little bit about how you came to be where you are as the Dean of Students. And definitely because, you know, you said I was a, a good guest on your podcast. It was a great time and it's a very helpful podcast. So it's not just, it's bear crawl with dads, but you're, you're always certain to include all parents in that. So it's, it's really good stuff. How did you get into this educational role and come across creating a podcast to even further it? Yeah, well, that's a, those are some, some good questions. And I want to be, I don't want to bore your, your, your listeners to death, uh, as they're driving, maybe, but. You know, I think, uh, I think maybe we talked about this last week, but it's, it's like, be careful what you pray for. Cause of like, I never really wanted to go in education. That wasn't really ever on my dream board, if you will, growing up. Uh, my mom was an educator. Uh, my sister is an educator. So we do have a family of educators. And so there is that, that background there in our DNA. But I think it was one of the things where I think the stars aligned. Looking back, it's where I needed to be. Again, I think we talked about this last week, but I think so many times when I've, when I talk to teachers or administrators, you know, how did you get into education? Oftentimes I'm finding that it's because people say it's because of what I didn't have or my experiences growing up were not, were not great or were lacking. And so I want to give back or I want to change the perception or the world of education to make it better. And so, you know, growing up in New Orleans, my experience was not really rich in the sense of dynamic and offerings and, and all the things that we see now in the world of education just didn't have any of that. And so, uh, you know, teachers that just didn't really, I don't think, really had the best interest necessarily in mind. And so when I had the opportunity, when a, an opportunity opened up for me to to get into the world of education, I was like, you know what? I could just do it for nine months. Um, let's just go for it, get it over with. But then once I got into it and these kids just, they get, they get in your blood, they get in your heart and you get to know the families and it's just whole community vibe. And for the first time, I wasn't looking for the next step, for the next job. I was like, I think this is it. I really, really love it. So that was what kind of hooked me in to the world of education was a PE job that I'm, I'm like, let's just try it. That's cool. You know, and something that it makes me think about is when you talk about your, your experience and the other people you talk to that say, I want to make some kind of change. I typically tie that to people's why, why they got into education. And I, I also see that as we move along, sometimes we lose sight of our why and we lose 
touch with why we're doing what we're doing. So I have to ask you, what makes you feel? I'm going to ask you the feel question first. And I'm, to be fair, I'm going to, I'm going to follow up with a, a think question. But, but what makes you feel good about being an educator? So in other words, what makes you feel like you're doing what you set out to do? You know, I, I think to me, if I can also, to, you know, if, if, if you may, uh, or if I may, kind of dip into the spiritual world in the sense of, I feel like it is a ministry. I feel that we're here, yes, to, to, to teach this subject matter, but it's in, in, in my thinking, it's more than that. It's, it's pausing to say, okay, to try to see the individual of each student and, okay, they're struggling. Well, why are they struggling? Or there's a behavior issue. Well, what's, what's behind that? There's a need that's not being met. Can we pause, take the time to visit to see maybe there's something going on at home? Maybe there's something going on that we just don't know about. So I think it's that opportunity to really love the kids for who they are and where they are. And if there's if, at least if you could be that one person to be a positive influence in their life and positive, hold them accountable, teach them right from wrong. Maybe they don't have those boundaries in their lives. But I think to me, that's the ultimate. I think why is the potential opportunity to, to speak words of encouragement, blessing in a student's life that they may never have or get. Now, you said something really interesting. You said, love the kids for who and where they are. And I think about teachers doing that. And sometimes that's difficult mm-hmm. because of, you know, a various number of reasons. But I also think about leaders or should we say administrators, because I believe everybody's a leader in a building, but administrators, they should do that for their teachers, but they don't always do that for their teachers. However, the ones that do, how do they show that to teachers? Like, what do you see in a leader's behavior that makes you feel as if they love you as a as an educator for who and where you currently are? Yeah, or, you know, I'll say every person's different, has their own you know, individual needs and wants. And, and you know, I, I think, not to sound cliche-ish, but, you know, it really should come from a mindset of a serve leader or, you know, I think listening is huge. I think, you know, the, the this time, you don't have a lot of people that are asking questions or or listening. And, you know, again, I know we all have an agenda we have to get through. We've got goals. We've got a board that we need to report to or whatever that is. But at the end of the day, I mean, I can't think of a better place in a school environment to to be there for the families and the teachers. And I think, I, for, so to answer your question, I guess, it's, I'm not rambling, but it, it really is, I think, to pause to to have those individual conversations with teachers and ask questions and to, to where they're, they're human. And I had a conversation, it was the last day of our, we had our basically as our end of the year picnic before all the teachers took off in the summer. And a teacher that I've worked with for now three years, I just asked her a simple question, like, how did you meet your husband again? And she told me this incredible story of, I was like, wow, you are an adventurer. The fact that she went down to Mexico from Massachusetts, she didn't, she didn't have any connections and she just had this desire to travel and how that changed the trajectory of her family. But again, if you don't ask and you don't maybe get some of that context to make that person more human or a way to connect with that person. And now I kind of look at that person a little bit different, you know? So I, I think it's just listening, being there, reading the room, 
And I think for me as a dean of students, you know, I'm really trying to read the room as far as my students. Some students are gregarious. You can go right up to them and mess with them and tease them. There's some, it's just going to take time and they're going to let you in when they're ready. And so I think that's like with our faculty, you know, it's just kind of when you, you know, went to ebb and when you need to flow and, okay, maybe I can jump in here. And I remember one of my students, I was just trying to find a connection, a connection. It took forever to try to find a connection. And we had a conversation over hot dogs about, I mean, about a hot dog. And that was kind of like my way in with her. And then I got her to laugh and we connected, but it took like six or seven months to, to get there. Um, so, right. I, I think maybe as administrators is to try to find that human component. Um, I think everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants uh, to be known and to respect that. Um, yeah. The first thing I have to say is, hey, anytime you want to connect with me over food, I'm game. Well, I told you, you've got an open invitation for some barbecue down here. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking longingly the other day because I just had some barbecue this past weekend. So, but uh, not quite as good as anything I think I'd get down in the Houston area. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they do it right up there. Yeah. But, you know, you you talk about reading the room, you talk about listening and and how there's so many things going on. A, A pivotal moment in my leadership, I think, was came from a book that I read, or at least it gave me more of a toolbox. It was Leadership Step-by-Step by by Josh Bodek. And one of the sections in that, he talked about listening. And not just the act of listening that you hear, you know, that you you referenced and you said it's a little cliche, but talked about steps of how to go through a conversation. And one of the things that really stood out to me was, boy, people like to talk about themselves. And not in a selfish way. But just because it makes them feel, like you said, known. Um, so that I'm, I'm glad you hit on that. And that's, I think that's a really powerful thing. And taking that a step further, because you're, you're, in, a, you're in a good position. You're a, you're a dean of students. So I'm, I'm really anxious to ask you this question. A dean of students working with a principal or vice versa, what helps you fulfill your why in the actions of the principal? Because oftentimes we talk about administrators and teachers or teachers and students. We tend to skip over those relationships between the different levels of administration and administrators. So to make sure I'm answering you correctly, is it how do I flesh that out or how do I still address my why daily when I report to the principal or working with? Right. And, and how that principal supports you yeah. or empowers you to do that. Well, and, and I think I am blessed. I know this isn't, a, this isn't every situation, of course, right? There's either direct directors or who you report to, we might, we may not really connect with or struggle with maybe their leadership style. So I get that. You know, I am very fortunate that the print, my, who I report to, our principal, we started together on day one. We're part of the, the 2019 pledge class pre COVID <laughs> at our, at the Faye school. And what I, what I really appreciate about my principal is there's, there is a lot of self-reflection. There is, she's very in tune to who she is and also to trying to be a good listener. Uh, I do feel like there's this a sense of trust now where I do feel comfortable sharing concerns, frustrations, if there's anything that I maybe don't agree with, but I do feel comfortable that and confident that I can go to her in a spirit of, of professionalism and a spirit of friendship. And to address that, but also too, I think I've learned that it's easy just to identify a problem or to complain about a problem, but I always want to try to bring maybe a solution. 
And I'll, I try to do that with my students as well, but with her to respect her position and to respect her role that she's hearing concerns and complaints all over the place all the time. So how do I sandwich that in a positive, some constructive feedback, but then follow that up with ideally with a solution? Because I know that's what I'd like is don't just complain about it. How can we solve it? And so I'm very, very fortunate that I have a great principal that really does support me and have my back. Now, I think your actions speak louder than words. I've had a lot of managers who have said the quote the right things, but they've never really had my back, if you will. And as a dean of students, you can imagine there's there's a lot of tough conversations that we have to have with families, with students. And if I didn't feel like that, I had the support of my principal and my head of school, it would really make this job that much more difficult and one that I don't know if I could sustain over a long period of time. I think the shelf life for most deans is about three years. Um, and I'm going in at any given school, I'm going into my fifth year. But I think a lot of that has to do with my principal and my head of school, where I've seen them behind the scenes make decisions that supported me and to say, we have Ross's back, which is, which is huge. And quote that we talked about, like being seen. I'm like, I, okay, you know, I, I feel seen. And that goes a long way. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. That's really well put. And especially bringing in the piece where the shelf life of three years versus five years where you're at now. One of the things I'm I'm wondering, because look, we've talked a few times. You're a humble guy. And even in this conversation, you said, well, I'm really blessed to have this. This has really worked out well. So when I talk to somebody, oftentimes I wonder what it would be like to work with them or what it would be like to be in some type of collaboration with them based on the position they have. And with that, I wonder what they're really good at. So what would you consider you to be really good at? I'm asking you now, I'm, this is going to be tough because I'm asking you to brag a little bit about yourself, but it's it's not bad if it's true. So what do, what are you really good at where your principal sits there and says, well, they turn around, she turn around and say the same. Well, I'm really lucky to have Ross because. Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that really my sweet spot, what brings me so much joy, to sound cheesy, is bringing people together. How do I create opportunities to bring whether it's introducing people, connecting, networking. Hey, Dr. Jones, you mentioned this. I've got a, a person down in Houston you've got to connect with. Y'all would be fantastic. Like that really fires me up. 
I don't necessarily want the attention or the glory, but just, I just wanted y'all to connect. And with my students, I love to create, whether it's assemblies or whether it's events or something that puts my kids in the limelight, but I'm behind the scenes, but creating those opportunities of fellowship. I, I love that. I love the creative part of that. You know, for example, this year we, I was like, well, a lot of our families, you know, we come from so many zip codes here in Houston. And some of our families, you know, school oftentimes is their place of community. Um, sometimes people go to a place of worship. Some people go to the golf course. Some people to find their crew. Our schools, so many families, especially coming out of COVID, are yearning community, are yearning fellowship. So, hey, what does your school offer where we can come together as families? Well, we're trying to do that. But, you know, one thing that I helped start was a day of service. So we reached out to nine local nonprofits. And so basically just gave our families a menu of opportunities on President's Day and they could go to Sign Up Genius and sign up for a time. And we wanted that to be inner across grade level. So where you have a first grade, first grade family working elbows with a third grade family to build community by volunteering, by doing something together. And so that was a blast. And then we came back that night and had a big picnic to celebrate. And we had the students speak about what they got from that day. And and so it was, I loved, again, creating an opportunity to bring families together. And I, you know, I think maybe it's the strength. I don't know. I tend to ask for forgiveness and permission generally. And so I, I definitely, I would say a dreamer in the sense of, hey, how come we can't do this? Let's do it. Let's go for it. And thankfully, again, getting back to my principal, my head of school, if I could justify it, go for it. Let's try it. And that's my biggest thing is like, Let's go for it. If we make mistakes, we make mistakes, but that's how we learn. And also, too, to me, that's good modeling for my students because I want my students to be like, well, go for it. Try it. All right. So you didn't get up the wall. You didn't repel or you didn't go to hell. You didn't repel. Okay. Well, try it again. You know, anyway. So no, perfect. Perfect. You know, I, I'm dying to ask you this just because the way you're talking about seeing and heard and, and especially the last thing, just to make sure I'm hearing it right and relaying it right or understanding it is that you don't want just a school. You want a community because you've realized that that's what the surrounding communities are craving out of your school. 100%. And I, the day of service is, is perfect. The idea that you're, somebody's giving back while building those connections makes it all that much of a stronger experience, in, in my opinion. No, it was just, it, was, it went really well, and I'm thankful. And I think... Because of that fact that families got to know each other. Families got to, with, with the only time they're, they're on campus is in carpool, you know, dropping their kid off and they're running off to work. And so this is an intentional time where families could just stop, serve together as a family while serving alongside other families. So it was, it was special. I think of, when I hear that, I think of community, I think of belonging. One of the things I'm wondering about is if I, I walk into your school and it's a school that in your eyes is a perfect school. What do I see? What do I hear? What do I feel? To me, it's all about the kids. I mean, again, it's all about the students. If, they, if, if they're happy, if they feel known, if they feel validated and heard, that transcends. Yeah, that to me, that's a good, you know, I've gone to other schools. I've, toured. And if I'm not seeing a lot of, I mean, you know, joy, but genuine, this energy, okay, something special here, something's going on. What is it? Then you tap into the teachers. Oh, you know, the teachers really 
I think are the key ingredient there. If, if they feel, again, going back to if they feel heard and validated and supported because they have an incredible, I mean, their job is so tough and so demanding. But if they feel supported and validated or that just transcends, you know, to the students. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's an initial, I think is the eye test. I think you can't really, I think that there's a lot to that. Of course. I think that with our campus too, I do feel like we're getting there where teachers, and as they push back, teachers can also to share in a space and not feel, Oh, there's going to be some pushback or retribution if I raise a concern or because as a dean, I'm in the classrooms a lot. And so I'm talking to the teachers a lot. And I feel like some of them do feel very comfortable because I'm in there so much that they, they tend to vent a little bit and they know that I'm not going to be like, I can't believe you're saying that. It's, it's okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about this. Clearly, this is an area that is really upsetting to you, you know, and how can we fix this and solve that? So again, getting back to a faculty that feels that they can share, um, Concerns and not feel, uh, yeah, there's going to be rep- um, repercussions. Awesome. And I'm going to shift gears for just two seconds because I'm, I really want to, I, I really want you to talk about this a little because I'm sure our listeners will be interested in this is your podcast. You do a podcast that I was lucky enough to be a guest on called Bear Crawl for Dads. And it's just about the journey and learning. It shows that you're interested in learning all the time as well. So talk to me a little bit about that and that how that fits into your journey of learning and the idea of community, belonging, being seen, being known. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. Um, I, you know, number one, growing up, I was always interested in radio. I was always uh, at night, I would listen to talk radio or a baseball game because my mind, I feel like when my head hits the pillow, my, that's when my mind just goes into overdrive and I'm just thinking about things and or worrying or whatever. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta figure a way to just calm that voice in my head. And so a lot of times, not, not political radio at night, even back then, but we just talk radio, whatever that was. So I was always interested in, in, in that, that aspect or, and so that was number one that was always of interest to me. And then I, so the another thing too is always being curious. So I always, um, I'm curious just, you know, with, with my interests or hobbies. And, um, yeah, I am the product of my, my father. We always, I feel like we want to know people's stories. We just want to, Dr. Jones, tell me, like, where are you from? Like, what's that like? Okay. Was it, oh, Oregon. Okay. Well, tell me about, tell me about that. What was it like out there? Wow. You know, are you a duck fan? And just trying to find those connections and curious. And, you know, so I think there's always that part of me too. But then going back to that on a, on a personal level, I became, a new dad, an older new dad. My son's going to be two and a half in August. And so with that, I was like, how can I, and that, that podcast thing was always in the back of my head. What does that process look like? Just the actual taking the recordings and that kind of get the process behind it. I was just really fascinated by it. But I was like, well, I don't have anything to say. What do I going to talk about? But I was like, you know what? I'm going to leverage the being a new dad as an excuse to talk to people but really just to hear stories. But also too, I am, I do want to glean some, some ideas about how to be a better father, right? Cause I can always learn. What did you do? What didn't you do? What worked? What worked for you? What are traditions? What are things that, that you've seen in your family? But then also too, that takes us 
down some fun roads in those conversations. And so, yeah, I think at the heart of that too was to hear from dads. I feel like, especially in our culture now, in our society, I think dads, we're, we are created to be in fellowship with others. We're not meant to be alone. And I think that a lot of dads, especially the older that we get and the hustle and bustle of just work and our kids, we can, I think we just get lonelier. Men are just getting lonelier and lonelier. It's just awkward. And how do we establish friendships as an older age? And how do I do that? And, but so I think as the podcast is hopefully just create an opportunity to hear stories, to encourage dads that are out there that man, I, maybe I could get a nugget from that dad or I'm really struggling with this. Oh, you know, so just create an opportunity for dads to share, to empower, encourage dads out there, whether they're new dads or empty nesters. And also too, to hear just some fun stories. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you um, sharing that. Yeah. I think that that's helpful. And and it goes along with who you are as a person and most importantly, an educator at all levels. So that's why I just wanted to hit on that. And I'll definitely put a link to your your show in the show notes so people can not just hear me say that it's something they should listen to, but they well, can also just hit the link. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I think too, whether it was a podcast I think one thing that I've always struggled with is with my students. If I'm just going to sit there and say, hey, man, follow your dreams, do it, go for it. But I wasn't doing it. Then I felt like I was being a little bit of a hypocrite. And now that I'm a father, I want my son to be confident in who he is and to have that grit, perseverance. But and if he wants to, to do something that he's really passionate about, I do it. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got you. I've, I've support you. But if he turned back and said, dad, is there anything that you did? I was like, no. You know, I was scared or nervous or, you know, and so that is a small thing, but I think every year I'm like, okay, what's another big okay, podcast was 2023 launch, but what's saying for 2024 that I'm curious about or right. Just to be, yes, yeah, challenge myself. Cool. So speaking about challenging yourself, I've got two questions. I ask every guest on the show is the last two questions as we start to get towards the end here. The first one, is if you weren't an educator, who, not what, would you be? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, my my nature is there. I have such a wanderlust. I have such a love for travel, to experience other cultures. I've had, I'm blessed and thankful that I've had the opportunity to travel to many, many countries. And so I want that from my wife. I want that for my stepdaughter, my son, to have the opportunities to, and not here in the States too, to go up and see those crazy people up in the Northeast, but, but also too around the globe. So with that being said, if I could do anything, I think, or I would want to work for a non, maybe a non, a global nonprofit agency that's advocating for children or families. And so that, yes, that would be, that would be the, career, but also to the selfish motive behind that too as well with that my family would get to come along and experience that. I do want my my family to to experience not just to give with your pocketbook where you, you're not touching and seeing who you're impacting, but also to actually smell, breathe, touch those that you're you're making a difference or helping. And so for the for them to have the opportunities to to go and travel too. So that's powerful. That's powerful reasoning behind that answer. So thank you for sharing that. So the final question is, what's the most important piece of advice you would give 
to leaders to help them better support, engage, and empower those they serve. I, you know, getting back to, I, I just feel like I, I keep on coming back to listening and really active listening. Okay, Dr. Jones, I heard what you said. Is this what you said? Repeat it, digest it, make a note, come back, visit that. I think there's just power in listening. I think we all want to talk too much, especially if you're in a position of authority, maybe you're getting validation of my position and I have the right to speak and you're going to listen to me. So how can leaders, also you're in a position because it's justified and you earned it, but how can you be humble and grateful for that? But for those that you are serving, how can you truly support them? And it, it get to me, I, I think, again, it just goes back to active listening. Perfect. Well, you know, you've, you've said some really good stuff in this past 30 minutes. I'm sure some people may want to follow up with you and get in touch with you. What's the easiest way they can do that? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing would be direct through my LinkedIn account. So you can find me at Ross Purdy here in Houston at the Faith School. That would be one way on a professional level to get a hold of me. You know, my bear crawl with dads through... Twitter or Instagram, Facebook, social, you know, those social media routes for sure. Yeah, I would say those would be some great, great avenues. So awesome. Well, Ross, I can't thank you enough. I seriously hope we stay in touch and continue to collaborate after speaking on your podcast and having you on mine. I'm just, I'm really interested in who you are and, and where you're going. And I, I hope we continue to collaborate together. Same, same. It's really been an honor. It's how our paths have crossed to, over the last two weeks. So it's, it's been awesome, man. And just to hear what you're doing, how you're impacting lives, teachers and students. And of course, your family. Uh, for those that don't know Dr. Jones really or want to know who he is as a father, you know, please listen. That will be uploaded soon. If not this week, next week, it'll be uploaded. But please listen to that because you're going to hear more about Dr. Jones. But you are uh, already, I can tell, an amazing leader. And thank you for your service to everybody that you serve up there. So thank you. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team. 
And when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.